Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Uh-oh, I think I messed it up. Douglas? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. I was up there messing with it because we were trying to fix the screen over here, and so I might have messed it up. And um, here, here's what we're going to do. Doug, what I'm going to need you to do today is um, can you just switch the slides for me when I tell you to switch them? Yeah, I, I, I did something wrong here, and so we... Uh... Oh. oh, they got it. No? Hold on. No. Okay, next slide, Matthew 16. And this is what it says. Sorry about that. I know that's a distracting thing to do, but we're ready to go. Here's where it starts. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. One Bible translation says that it should read, they are receiving their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you'll remember that this is kind of following in line with all of the other or the last two sermons that I've preached, right? Jesus says, don't do this in public, because if you do these, these religious and acts of faith in public, so that people will, will think, wow, he's very religious. Or, or if you're doing things just to kind of do it because you think that that's what God wants from you, Jesus says, you will, like, you've missed the point, and all you're going to get is that people think you're holy now, but I, I see past your show. Now, in retrospect, in retrospect, I should have preached all three texts at the same time, because as I was writing, I found myself writing the same kinds of things, but about fasting rather than giving or doing the, what was the other one? There was almsgiving, there's fasting, and what was the other one? Yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> but the point is this, sometimes repetition helps us to understand the teaching that God has for us. For this, Jesus says, do not look gloomy when you fast like the hypocrites do. So there's a word or two that I want to teach. We're going to teach about fasting, and we're going to talk about this text a little bit, but we're going to dig in really deeply, and then we're going to look at some practical ways for us as we, as we encounter the fast. So if we can go to the next slide. Okay, we're going to leave it. Oh, go back real quick. This is not going to work out, guys. Not up top, just me. Okay. So when Jesus says, don't fast, or don't fast like the hypocrites do, there is nowhere in the Bible where Jesus talks that, that he requires people to fast. Did you know that? Jesus doesn't really say very much about fasting, but Jesus realized that fasting was something that was important to the Israelites, to the Jewish people in the first century. And so Jesus says, okay, I'm not going to tell you to fast. You don't have to fast. But if you're going to continue to fast, if you're going to do this that is meaningful to you, then make sure that you don't make a show out of it and you don't make it obvious to everyone because then you're going to miss the point of what fasting is all about. So Jesus knew that this was important to them, even though he didn't necessarily think it was needed. So now we can go to the next slide because there's a lesson to learn in this, and this is what it is. Just because you don't agree with the way someone practices their faith, it doesn't mean that what they are doing is wrong. Did you hear that? 
Just because I may disagree with how someone practices their faith doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. Jesus didn't really see the need for fasting once he comes onto the scene. He was like, all right, it's going to happen. I'm not telling you to do it. You don't have to do it. But if you do it, if this is meaningful to you and you continue to do this, make sure you do it the right way and don't make a show out of it. So let me give you an example of this. Um, Don't tune me out when I use a certain word that some of you are instantly going to want to be like, wait a minute, that's wrong. So for the last several years, I think since I started pastoring maybe, I started observing a kind of Lent. Now, for some of you, hearing the word Lent from an Adventist pulpit, some of you may shudder and say, but that's a Catholic thing. And yet, it is so much more. Now, I don't, Here's what I do with Lent, and this is an illustration, and then we're going to get back to the point that I just made. During the 40 days that are leading up to, the, to Resurrection Sunday, notice I'm not saying Easter, but Resurrection Sunday. The Sunday where we are reminded that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty, and that Jesus is resurrected and alive. I think sometimes we, we pass over too lightly what that means. In Adventist churches, traditionally, what do we do on Resurrection Sunday? Yeah, we sleep in. (laughs) We eat pancakes or whatever you like to eat on Sunday mornings. Maybe you go out to breakfast. And we may talk about how Jesus is risen and Jesus has been resurrected and he is alive, like from the pulpits on our Sabbath morning worships. But what do we do? I mean, there's nothing sacred about that Sunday, is there, when Jesus is resurrected? No, but there's something sacred in what? In that he was resurrected. Now, we celebrate birthdays every year, right? We, some of us, celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving and Fourth of July. I mean, we celebrate all sorts of stuff, right? But when it comes to the one thing that changes everything for us, we sometimes just sleep in and watch TV. And I think that's wrong. So a part of what I did is I thought to myself, I'm not going to let it just pass anymore because this is important. I've dedicated my life to preaching that Jesus is risen. And so what I started doing is that for the 40 days that are leading up to Resurrection Sunday, I decided that I would begin to fast. Now, I'm not fasting from food. (laughs) That's too narrow-minded just to fast just for the sake of doing it. The 40 days are biblical, symbolic about preparing yourself and about prayer and seeking God. You see, a lot of people will fast Like they'll fast from something, they'll refrain from eating or doing something for 40 days, but they're not filling their time up with seeking God more deeply. Does that make sense? So what I have done, as is true for all of you, there are things in my life that need to just die. There are things in my life, I have destructive habits that are not good for my mind, my body, and my soul at times. There are different things at different times that are destructive to me. I call those things sin. So during Lent, what I attempt to do is to choose one of those things and let it die for 40 days. With the hope and prayer that at the end of those 40 days, it stays dead. Am I making myself clear? Does that make sense? You see, there are things in all of our lives that are continually destroying and bringing death upon us. And Lent, as we look towards the resurrection of Jesus, the 40 days of anticipation and of prayer are filled with leaving things that need to be left behind. But there was people who had a problem 
with the Seventh-day Adventist pastor fasting and trying to leave sin behind. And they would make big deals about the fact that I would use the word Lent, which literally just means like 40. And if you read the Bible from beginning until the end, especially in Jesus, after he is baptized, he goes for how many days into the wilderness? Where he does what? And then he is tempted. Jesus fasts for 40 days as he begins his ministry on this earth. Moses spends 40 days on top of the mountain. Elijah spends 40 days preparing for his mission. Do you begin to see that there is a correlation between 40 in the Bible and 40 days of Lent? Now, I'm not saying that we should observe Lent the way it's observed. I've never sprinkled ashes on my forehead. I don't attend an Ash Wednesday service. I don't do those things because for me, I don't feel I need to. But wouldn't you agree, or, or rather, if you're married, wives and husbands... Wives, wouldn't you agree that there's things in your husband's life that need to die and stay dead? (laughs) Do you begin to see fasting isn't just for you to feel better about yourself that you were able to go a certain amount of time without eating something or from refraining from something, but fasting is supposed to transform you and change you and give you new life. So the lesson in this is what? Just because you don't agree with the way another person lives out their faith, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Too many times, I think, we're busy pointing out what's wrong in other people instead of celebrating what's good in them. Paul says, when he comes to the church in Corinth, he says, I have come to know Christ and Christ crucified in you. Jesus wanted, I mean, Paul wanted to see the very best in individuals. And so he says, I have come to see Christ and Christ crucified in you. I want to see the very best in you. And I think one of the things that as Christians, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, that you and I have to learn is we have to learn to see the good in other people before we point out what's wrong in them. It's easy to point out what's wrong. It's harder to see what is good. I had a friend who, whenever we would say something bad about someone, he would say, okay, now say three nice things about him. I'm like, who are you? (laughs) Don't judge me. (laughs) And yet it forced me to really look at people and say, you know what, you're right. I probably shouldn't have said that. Let's go to the next slide, Doug. Next slide. And verse 16 says this, So when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Now, the word gloomy is only used one other place in the Bible. Do you remember the story of the two disciples walking to Emmaus on the day that Jesus is, is you know, on Sunday? Do you remember that? He's, Jesus is dead, and these two disciples, they're gloomy, they're sad, because they were expecting Jesus to be the Messiah but instead they were disappointed. This word gloomy that is used in the scriptures is the kind of word if you've ever seen a child who doesn't get what he wants and then they look how? Gloomy. What do we say? They throw a tantrum. I tried to teach my kids this week about the word gloomy and tantrums. I don't know if they understood what I was trying to say. I said, when you get mad, when you don't get what you want and you throw that tantrum, and they're like, I guess... I'm all, that's what the Bible is talking about here. (laughs) Maybe not the right teaching, but right? I was trying to get the point across to them. It's the idea of being disappointed. And so have any of you ever seen somebody 
and they just look kind of down and sad. And so you want to like, what's wrong with you today? Are you okay? Is everything wrong? Jesus says, when you fast and you're hungry and you're three days into your fast, don't look gloomy. What started happening is that these people, they would, they would not cut their hair. They wouldn't shave. They wouldn't put the equivalent of gel in their hair. Right? They would put ashes on their foreheads and on their heads to show repentance. When you fasted, you would wear the worst clothes you had or sackcloth. So you can begin to imagine that when these people would fast, and they fasted two days a week, okay, these religious people in the first century, on the day when, they would, when, when the markets would open up and they would go buy food, so they would dress in the worst clothes they had in sackcloth. They would put ashes on their foreheads. They wouldn't comb their hair. I mean, they would look pretty rough, right? So that people would know, oh, they're fasting today. They must be holy because I tried to fast and I couldn't do it very well. But if this person is fasting, they must really be connected to God. You see, there was a belief that the more you suffered for God, the more holy you were. Does that resonate with any of us today? The more you suffer, the holier and closer to God you must be. Can you begin to see how this was just a show for people? Which leads us to this question. Is there anything that you do to put on a show for others that you are deeply connected to God? Let me give you one example. I was once with, um, how should I put it? Sometimes what we do in the name of God can do more harm to someone. And let me give you this example. At the last church that I was at, um, we had collected food to give to people who were hungry. And somebody brought um, top ramen, but they were the shrimp kind. He thought it was chicken kind because he had taken one and eaten one. And then he realized, oh, so, so he bought it for himself to eat at home. But then he realized it was shrimp and a good Adventist doesn't eat shrimp, right? So then he donates it to the church to give to someone else. So we had a group of kids who were staying at our church who were going and doing literature, evangelism, and things like that, right? They would go door to door. And so we were, you know, so one of my best friends and I, we said, okay, let's, um, this is so bad. I'm sorry. But he said, <laughs> he said, let's just see what one of these kids says to us giving food to, the, like, someone who's hungry. So he has this big box of shrimp, you know, stuff, of uh, top ramen. And he goes to this girl. And he goes, um, I, I need your advice on something. And she goes, okay, shoot. He goes, someone donated this to the church, and it's shrimp. But we want to give this to people who are hungry and don't have enough food to eat. What should we do because it has shrimp in it? And I was there the whole time. I was just watching because I kind of knew what was going to happen. She said, if we're going to preach the health message, then you should just throw that away because it's bad for them. To which I had, I, I had a physical reaction. I said, but if they're hungry and they have no food, there is no health message for them because they have nothing. Do you begin to see how sometimes our faith and the way we live it out affects somebody in a very negative and bad way? If, someone who's, if you're hungry, you'll probably eat that because you're hungry, right? Maybe not. I don't know. I know there would be this internal struggle for us. I'm not blind to that, guys. I'm trying to prove a point here. Sometimes when we put on a show about, well, our health message says this, so I'm not going to do that, and you can't have that either, and we make people feel bad about it. Sometimes our faith can get in the way of other people's salvation because we might turn them off 
from the God who is ready to save them. And Jesus says, you don't stop putting on a show. Stop saying all of the right things. Just learn to live and learn to follow my lead. Don't make a show out of everything. So yeah, they would look gross. They would look disgusting because they wanted people to see that they were holy. But that wouldn't draw anybody to Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. It is possible to do something and at the same time not really do it. Does that make sense? So they were fasting. They were not eating. But when you fast, it's not just about depriving yourself of something. It's about what? You make space for what? To fill yourself with God. So when you fast, it's not just about not eating a particular food for a day. It's about, I'm not going to eat this, but instead of filling myself up with food, I'm going to fill myself up with the Spirit of God. But if you're fasting just to fast, to kind of show God, okay, now here's here's some examples. um, I've heard people say that you, you, you can fast if you're really serious about something and you want to show God how serious you are. Like, maybe you need an answer to prayer. And so I've heard people who fast so that they can show God how serious they are about wanting God to to answer this prayer. Now, is that biblical? No, because now you're just, who's in charge? But who actually is supposed to be in charge? Do you begin to see how fasting has become a thing of if I do it well enough, if I deprive myself enough, if I suffer enough, God will have to look and he'll have to do something. But the reality about fasting is that you get rid of stuff to make room for what's really important. Jesus says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The idea behind that is life is found in the message of God. Take it one step further. Life is found in the person who God's message is fulfilled in. Who is that? Jesus. Life is not just about the food we eat, but it's about being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, let's go to the next slide. I'm going to show you. It's possible to do something and not really do it. And so... (laughs) So in the, I read in the news that there was a stabbing at a Bellevue anger man- management class. Let's go to the next slide. I'm going to read this with you. Uh, the Bellevue Police Department might want to think about a curriculum change for its anger management course. At a class at Bellevue College on October 9, the instructor showed a video featuring Dr. Phil McGraw. Next slide. Whatever Dr. Phil was talking about as far as anger management... One of the individuals thought it was good information. The other one didn't think so, said Police, um, Bellevue Police spokesperson Carla Lafrate. Next slide. According to char- charging documents, that person pulled out a two-inch knife and stabbed another woman in the shoulder and upper arm. Mara Diaga has been charged with second-degree assault. The victim will be okay. No word if the video will be used in the class again. It's possible... To do something, in this case, attend your anger management class, but not really do it. Does that make sense? It's possible, Jesus says, for you to fast, but you might miss the point entirely. So now I want to go to the next slide. I'm sorry, this has taken longer than I was hoping. Next slide. Next slide. 
That's next slide. Okay, let's, let's just look together. Now, we're looking at an example of fasting in the Old Testament. We're going to fly through this, okay? I feel like I've been up here for 30 minutes. That's a bad sign because if I feel like I've been up here too long, you probably feel the same way. So we're going to go through this pretty quickly. Why have, and so this is an example from the prophet Isaiah. Why have we fasted and you not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? The Israelites were telling Jesus, God, we have fasted. We have stripped down to sackcloth. We have poured ashes on our heads. We've shaved our heads. We've done this fasting that God, that you said we needed to do. Why have you not noticed? Have, have any of you ever done things in the hope of getting recognition? Have you ever done something good hoping that somebody will see it and say, wow, that was a good job? Let me give you an example. If you have kids or you've ever been a kid, <laughs> and one moment you or your child, if you're a kid or a child, throws a total fit about something, storm out of the room. They're just like, I hate you. I don't care. Whatever other words that they might use to describe us parents. Then five minutes later, they come back, super nice, loving, rubbing your shoulders. Can I get you something to drink, mom or dad? Well, there's something wrong with that picture. Have we all done it? You know when they're being nice or when we try to be really nice and loving and our parents see right through it, they begin to think what? What do you want? Yeah. The Israelites were acting like immature children because they were doing this to manipulate God so that then God would bring favor upon them and then they would feel like, okay, I'm on God's side. Let's go to the next slide. Next slide. Behold, you fast, this is God, behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with wicked fists. Fighting, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is it possible that when you live out your faith the way you're doing it, is it possible that God is not listening? What the Israelites were doing is they were living for themselves all of the religious things they did was just so that they could feel better about themselves because now God is going to be happy because we've done what he's asked us to do. Next slide. Is such the fast that I choose, God says, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? That's how they were supposed to fast. They were supposed to do those things in the Old Testament, but what happened is that the Israelites got so good at knowing what they had to look like outwardly that when it came to the Day of Atonement, which was the only day they were required to fast, they just put their getup the way they were supposed to. Very much like the way that we put on our pants and our tie and our shirt and our vest and we come to church. I know how to get dressed and I know how to look appropriate for church. That's what they did. They started looking appropriate for the day. But they weren't feeling it on the inside. The fast was not changing. This was how they were supposed to fast. But they were missing the point entirely because God would go on to say this. Next slide. Next slide. Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is this fasting? When you look in the dictionary and you look at fast, is this what fasting would look like? No. 
It looks like the other slide we just looked at. But God changes it and says, I no longer care about you looking a certain way and fasting and keeping from food. I don't care about that anymore. Because you've missed a point, you've gotten so good at it, it's just a routine for you. I don't care about that stuff anymore. This is what I want. On the day that you want to fast because you want to feel closer to God, God says, loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke, let the oppressed go free, and break every yoke of bondage. A fast is not how it makes you feel. It's about what it moves you to do. Which means that when you refrain from food, if you're filling yourself with the Spirit of God, if you're in prayer, if you're reading Scripture, if you're listening to the songs that move you, if on the day that you fast you make room for God, I have a feeling that you will be moved to do what God wants you to do. And it won't be just for you to feel good, but it'll be for you to do something in this world. Next slide. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Does this look like fasting? Does it? No, this just looks like, you know, community service at our church, right? For Jesus, if your faith isn't shaping the way that you live out your life outside of the church... Your faith isn't really faith. It's just something that makes you feel good about yourself. In which case, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping who? Yourself. Now, we have an opportunity in this church. One of the first ways that we're going to try to reach into our community is very simple. We're initiating you guys simple because you've done this before. But in the back, there are these yellow half sheets of paper that you may have seen Because you see, in in Orange, we don't want our church to be good at dressing up like we're good Christians. We want to be good at being good Christians. And part of that is what we learn from here must translate to out there. So the one way that we're going to get started on doing this is if you pick up a yellow sheet in the back, in the middle, John has done us the humongous favor Thank you, John, of putting this whole thing together for us. So we get together in a committee and we say, this is what we want to do. (laughs) And then John did the work of putting it together. And we thank John for that. But on it, every sheet of paper has a different thing that you could bring. We're going to be putting together Thanksgiving baskets and then probably also Christmas baskets in the future. There's a basket somewhere that Vicky decorated that I wanted to get up here so we could see it every single week for the next couple of weeks. And on it, it says, juice drink for six people which means that I'm going to bring juice for six people to contribute to these baskets. There's a system behind this. And everyone is going to get probably a turkey, yes, a turkey, meat, for Thanksgiving this year. And they're going to get other stuff that we eat for for Thanksgiving because we believe that it's wrong that people don't have food. We believe it's wrong that that children have to go to bed hungry. One day isn't going to change the world. I get that which is why we're going to do a lot more. But this is a start. I encourage all of you, even if you think, you know, I can't afford that, God will provide. I have no no doubt of that. I've seen God provide in my life in ways that I didn't even know God could do it, and he did. So I no longer wonder, I, I can't spare the extra five bucks. Get this. Get what it says and bring it by the day that the card says. And we're going to put these baskets together, all of us who are willing to help, because we believe that just like fasting, this religious event, 
this religious thing we do here every week, if, it's, if your gifts are just being used up here, they're dead gifts. Does that make sense? We worry about spiritual gifts a lot, but we only use them from the front of the church. Talking to who? The saints. If you're here, for the most part, you already believe that Jesus is Christ, yes? You already believe that Jesus is Savior, right? So if you're using your spiritual gifts only for those who already believe, are you really using your gifts? I know that's hard to hear because I stand up here every single week. I get it. (laughs) It must translate outside. There are people right now in our church who two Tuesdays out of the month spend two hours on a Tuesday evening playing with kids who have been in abusive homes and are now no longer in an abusive home. And all these people do, they said, we are willing to give two Tuesdays up, two hours a night, two, two, two hours on two Tuesdays a night, two Tuesdays a month. You get it. To go and spend time and, and give love to kids who haven't known it. Is that good news to the kids? That's gospel. That's gospel. That somebody is loving them. People are doing this in our church. And actually, we're going to start announcing it if it's not already in there. And I think this Tuesday, um, I'm going to be going there. Now, our boy is getting braces on Tuesday, and he has no idea what's coming. So it just depends how he feels if I'm able to leave him there. (laughs) You know, and I'll be unfair to Kim and let Kim take care of his pain. But I will try my very best to be there on Tuesday evening because when we reach out to other people, we are reminded that this world is not about us, but it's about all of us, and it's about the God who gives us grace. Jesus says, don't look gloomy and disappointed because you have more than you'll ever want. And if you're lacking, and I don't know how God works, okay, I know he needs you and I to work for him, but if you are lacking something, I know know it sounds cliche to say that just trust God. I know that. But trust God and trust your brothers and sisters who are here around you because if there is a need, we will fill it. And I will approve it even if I get fired if somebody needs money for food. I'll do that. And if you lose your house, you can sleep in there if you dare. But you can sleep in that building and we'll move the conference table to the corner. I don't care. But if we're not meeting needs, we have failed. If we are not reaching out to each other, this that we preach every week is empty and without power. If we only worry about puffing ourselves up, we have failed. Is that clear? So I don't want to see any of these left in the back. As you leave. Because this is the way that we let our religious faith live its way out in this world. We can do this. If you need money, I will give you money to bring some of this. <laughs> I give you some money. You get, you get the point. I'm passionate about this kind of stuff. I'm passionate about this kind of stuff because I've seen families go hungry and it's wrong. So just to close all of this up, let's see if there's another slide. Empty ritualism. That's what we've been discussing this whole time. When we come to church, it's a ritual. We go through the service, we sing, we pray, we read the Bible. That's a ritual. When we have the communion, which will be coming up soon, when we do communion, it's a ritual. 
The body doesn't turn into the body, I mean, the bread doesn't turn into the actual body of Jesus, but it's meaningful to us. It's a ritual. If we do things in church just because they're meaningful to us, it's empty. And God doesn't want the things that we do to be solely for ourselves because they will just be what? Empty. Let's pray. Oh God, we are, God, we don't like it when you teach us like this this morning because we are reminded that we probably have our priorities wrong. And so, God, I pray that as the one they call pastor of this church, that you would help me to model the way. When I fail, Lord, I pray that you would have forgiveness in the hearts of my brothers and sisters. We don't want to be empty We don't want the things that we do in your name, God, to be empty and only for ourselves, but we pray that you would teach us how to live it out in the world around us. We know that there is a world in need, and we just want to give them your grace and your love. Thank you that you are here with us this morning, and thank you that you're patient. We pray that it never runs out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.